Whether you're looking to go on a trip, do some home renovations, or plan your financial future, you follow the same basic steps. The first step is you start with the end in mind. Where do you want to go on your trip? What do you want your new kitchen to look like? What do you want to do in retirement? The second step is figuring out where you are today and what it's going to take to help you reach your goals. Together, these two steps make up the discovery stage of a life-centered financial plan. And it's not before you go through a full goals and financial discovery can you really move on to designing a plan and putting it into action. All combined, we call it our 3D financial planning process. Discover, design, and deploy. I'm going to break down the discovery process into two episodes. In today's podcast, we're going to do a deep dive on the goals discovery, give you some tools and some strategies to help you get started on building a plan to help you reach the goals you want to achieve. Welcome to Living Richer with Mark Shimkovitz, Vice President at Raymond James Private Client Group, one of Canada's largest independent investment firms. In this podcast, he'll share with you the things you need to know and things you need to do to build a smart financial plan. Follow along with Mark and learn how to invest wisely, avoid financial mistakes, and navigate life's curveballs without fear. Now, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Richer, and I'm your host, Mark Shimkovitz. First off, I want to thank all everyone who took the time to listen to our introductory podcast and as well to download and subscribe to it. I really do appreciate your support. So in the first episode, I told you a little bit about myself, why I started the podcast and what we're going to cover. We talked about the importance of knowing your why and how that is such a key component of a successful financial plan. If you didn't catch the first episode, I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes. It's a fairly quick listen. Now, as promised, today we're going to focus in on where to begin when it comes to building a strong financial plan. But before we dig in, there are two things I want you to know. And and look, it, it might sound cliche, but first of all, it's never too early to start. And second, it's never too late. And that is the honest truth. However, I want you to understand that, you know, at both ends of the spectrum, getting started can be very intimidating. And I'm hoping that this episode and the next one are going to help alleviate some of the concerns about getting started. Now, oftentimes when I first meet with young clients, they either don't know where to begin or they don't realize how great an impact that putting away even a small amount of money can have on their future. The other key to building wealth I talk to my younger clients about, and this is really the focus of today's podcast, is having the right goals in mind. Um, But you know, goals sort of on their own without a plan are just dreams and dreams without some motivation to achieve them more often than not. I mean, we know they just don't get reached. So the difference between those I believe who reach their goals and those who don't often comes down to how motivated they are. Now I'm not a psychologist, but I do believe that the thing that motivates the most is a really strong why. The why is the reason behind your goals. Coming up with their why gives people the motivation to stick to their plan, even when times get tough. So let me give you an example. Let's say your goal is to pay off your student debt. You want to go a step further and ask yourself, well, why do you want to get out of debt? I mean, clearly nobody wants to be in debt, but maybe it's because not having that debt as an overhang is going to allow you to take a job that you're super passionate about, but pays less money. So you're sort of really motivated to pay off that debt. Remember, when you know your why, the how and the what becomes a lot easier. 
And now I want to take a minute here and just tell you a quick story about the power of having a really strong and motivating why and how when you combine um, when you can combine a powerful why with a discipline strategy, you can do absolutely amazing things. So it's about a woman by the name of Grace Groner. And if you've never heard of it, you're not alone because Grace certainly wasn't famous. In fact, she lived a really low profile life. She was born in 1909. She was orphaned at the age of 12. And she was raised by some kind neighbors who ultimately helped put her through college. Now, after graduating from Lake Forest College, Grace went on to work as a secretary and continued to live a modest but a very happy life. She never denied herself any of the comforts that she really needed, but she always lived within her means. She never got married. She never had any children, but she had a lot of close friends and she was very active in the community. And although it was a pretty low-key life. She lived, as I said, a good life. And when Grace died in 2010 at age 100, most people who knew her were absolutely shocked to learn that she had left a $7.2 million donation to her alma mater, Lake Forest College. The purpose was to start a scholarship program for students with big dreams but little money. So, where did Grace get that money from? She didn't win the lottery. She didn't inherit it. You see, in 1935, at the age of 25, and this was in the depths of the Great Depression, Grace took a job as a secretary at Abbott Pharmaceuticals, where she worked for the next 43 years. Now, in her first year at Abbott, she bought three shares of Abbott stock for a total investment of $180. Now, every three months, Abbott paid Grace a dividend, and each time she received that dividend, instead of taking the cash, she reinvested that money. And whether Grace knew it or not at the time, she was utilizing the strategy of compound growth. The more shares she owned, the more dividends she collected. The more dividends she collected, the more shares those dividends were able to buy for. So over the next 75 years uh, that Grace was invested in the market, those shares would split. Sometimes they double, sometimes they triple. And yes, when Grace passed away in 2010, that original $180 she invested had turned into over $7 million. Now, the thing I really like about this story is that there's several key lessons that we can all take away. And I'm going to highlight four of them. The first one, as I kind of alluded to, is compounding over time is a powerful tool. And the rate of compounding matters greatly. Now, if Grace had simply invested her $180 in a bank at 3% over 75 years, she would have died with $1,652, certainly not enough to endow um, a long-term college scholarship program. However, investing her money uh, yielding a much higher annual return, and that higher annual return compounding over a long period of time made an enormous difference. The second lesson was that Grace remained invested. She didn't try to trade in and out and to time the market. She just held on. She kept at it. Through 13 recessions, I don't even know how many corrections. There were wars and difficult economic times, all the kinds of things that may have shaken up more sophisticated investors. But Grace didn't try to time the market. She stuck through bad earnings reports. She didn't get scared off by negative market pundits. She kept her eye on the long term. So time was her friend. And as clients often hear me say, what counts is time in the market, not timing the market. The third lesson is that investing from an early age can make a huge difference in the eventual results. 
So if Grace had invested that same $180, even 10 years later, in 1945 instead of 1935, she would have died with $1.7 million instead of the $7.2 million. So time is a powerful leveraging tool. And lastly, and perhaps the most important lesson, is that Grace had a very clearly defined why that kept her on track and kept her motivated. Right. In Grace's case, because of the generosity of others, she was able to go on to college and it makes sense that her why became creating a legacy to help other students in financial need to go to college. That clearly defined purpose was more important to Grace than anything else. It helped her stick to her plan over the long term. So that's the benefit of starting early. But not everyone is in that position. On the other end of the spectrum, and unfortunately this is just as common, are people nearing retirement. And they may have put off building a financial plan for a whole slew of reasons. Very often it, through no fault of their own. Now, the, according to a recent study, 32% of Canadians between the ages of 45 and 64 have saved nothing for retirement. Two-thirds of Canadians say that they've underestimated how much money they're going to need in retirement, which, by the way, may actually be even higher when you consider that few people actually have a plan. So it's just a guess. The other statistic that concerns me is that nearly half the people think that they'll need to rely on family for financial assistance. So if you're in that boat, you're not alone. It's a vicious circle. I get it. Because they didn't get started early, they worry that they're too late, and instead of facing the circumstances head on, they put it off some more because they're scared. So really, when you think about it, at the end of the day, it comes down to a lack of a plan. And I hear it a lot. I hope I have enough money, but hope is not a plan. You have to take action. It's never too late to get started. I promise you, the sooner you face your fears and the facts, no matter how old you are, the better off you're going to be. Putting a dedicated process in place that takes into consideration where you are today, your shorter, your longer term goals, your time horizon to achieve them, and clearly outlining step by step a plan to get you there is not only going to provide you with a roadmap for the future, it's going to take away an enormous amount of stress and fear of the unknown that comes when you don't have a strategy. Now, when I meet with older clients in the situation, our process, like everyone, starts with the first step in the 3D process, discovery. Remember, it was discover, design, and deploy. While the time horizon to achieve their goals may be shorter for some people, it's still really, really important to clarify where what you're working towards. We can then figure out what's possible, what measures you need to put in place. They may need to make some changes like working longer than they'd anticipated or curbing some of their spending habits or, or maybe reprioritizing their goals. I think in a post-pandemic world, a lot of people are going to start to realize that what they thought was a priority actually wasn't. There are a lot of things that can be done, but it's very clear to me that having a clearly defined goal makes any sacrifices that much easier. Now, let's get down to the specifics of how you can get started. Like almost 
everything else. When it comes down to a financial plan, there's almost too much information out there. So I just Googled financial planning and I actually got over 70 million results in just one second. 70 million! And of course, there are hundreds of retirement calculators out there. There's rules of thumb, various shortcuts. You know, one source might tell you you need a million dollars to retire and another might tell you you need two million dollars to retire. You might read other sort of rules of thumb that say that you need 75% of your current income. And then there's the 4% rule. But to be honest, looking at any of these numbers with no context is not only ineffective, it can actually be damaging because it doesn't take into consideration your unique circumstances. So here's the first piece of advice. When you sit down to build your financial plan, do not start with money as the goal. As I said in episode one, accumulation of money should never be the primary goal. With life-centered financial planning, money is simply the tool that's going to allow you to fulfill your dreams and your goals, to address your concerns. The first step in planning in the planning process has to be non-financial discovery. Until you're clear on what you're trying to achieve, trying to figure out the specific number that you're going to need to hit is virtually impossible. For example, do you have a dream of traveling the world every year, exploring new exotic destinations? Or do you have a dream of, you know, settling into a small cottage on the countryside, putting around the garden, spending time with family? Obviously, each of these two scenarios is going to require a very different financial requirement. I always say that you need to start with the end in mind. And I think this is a good analogy. I want you to imagine that you have a jigsaw puzzle in front of you and that you need to put it together. How do you get started? Some people look at the edges and start there. Others start with the corners or group colors together. And really, there is no right way to solve a jigsaw puzzle. It just comes down to what works best for you to get you to your ultimate goal. However, there is one crucial step that you need before you can do anything else. And that, of course, is take a look at the picture on the top of the box. Imagine I gave you all the pieces of the puzzle, but I took away the box top. Without having a clear picture of what you're trying to achieve, good luck trying to solve the puzzle, right? It's no different with financial planning. You need to start with having good, clear goals. And that's what I mean when I say start with the end in mind. And it's okay to have more than one goal. In fact, you know, you really do want to include all of your goals. You can have short-term, medium, long-term goals. Some of the shorter-term goals might be, include vacations or home renovation. Other goals are going to be a lot further off. The discovery process is really about figuring out your own picture. It's the time to ask a lot of questions and do some real soul searching about, you know, what's really driving you. But it's also time to identify your concerns. So yes, financial planning isn't just about what gets you up in the morning. It's also about what keeps you up at night. What are your fears? What are your challenges? Do you have an emergency fund available in case you lose your job? Have you taken steps to protect against critical illness? What if the breadwinner passes away? How's that going to impact the ones left behind? These are all important questions to ask in discovery. Now, we go through what we have uh, referred to as a priorities checklist with clients as a starting point. We also sometimes call it a values map. If you have a financial advisor, you may have gone through a similar exercise. For those who haven't, um, this is going to provide you with the framework that helps to identify the real emotional underpinnings of both your financial planning goals and your concerns. 
everyone prioritizes various areas differently and some may not be relevant at all. Once you've identified the priorities that are most important to you, you'll have the foundation for a plan that truly reflects your needs. Now, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to our priorities checklist, and you can go through that exercise yourself. The checklist includes a list of priorities that uh, may concern you today and in the future. And it's broken down into a number of different categories. Going through it is really going to help you clarify your shorter and longer term goals as you move through life transitions ahead of you. Some of those are going to be anticipated, like an upcoming marriage or a planned retirement in the future. It's also going to cover off a lot of the things that you might not see coming. As I mentioned, you know, a critical illness and the steps you want to take to help ensure that you're prepared for those life events. Now, once you've completed the priorities checklist, you'll have a summary of your life-centered plan. And that's a great starting point. If you have a financial plan in place and you didn't go through a process of discovery first, I highly recommend you download the checklist and go through it because you might be missing some things. The exercise is going to ensure that the plan aligns um, with the areas that are most important to you. You might pick up a few things, as I said, that you missed. But look, let's face it, discovery isn't only about hopes and dreams and concerns. Um, it's also about the numbers. And I'm going to walk through the second part of the discovery process, the financial discovery. We're going to take a look at how to take stock of your current and your expected financial situation and how that's going to play into your plan. So just to wind things up, here are my three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, it's never too early and more important, it's never too late to get started on a financial plan. Number two, in order to build an effective life-centered financial plan, you must have a clear picture of your why. Your why is going to give you the give your goals deeper meaning. For example, do you want to retire early so you can spend more time volunteering for a cause that you're passionate about or see the world? Giving your goals that deeper meaning isn't some kind of, you know, woo-woo concept. I'm telling you that this is going to increase the likelihood that you stick to your plan and you be successful. And number three, to clarify those goals, um, to clarify, sorry, what those goals are, you really should be going through an exercise of discovery where you take a deep dive on your values and on your priorities. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I can't wait to keep connecting with you and helping you build your wealth. If you like what you heard so far, hit the subscribe button. Feel free to connect with me if you've got any questions or if you have topics that you'd like me to cover. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time on Living Richer when we break down the numbers side of the discovery process. Information in this podcast is from sources believed to be reliable. However, we cannot represent that it is accurate or complete. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Raymond James Advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. The views are those of Mark Chimkovitz and not necessarily those of Raymond James Limited. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerance before making any investment decision. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund.